Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning. And, you know, I'm back in the studio again today, and it almost feels weird. I think they're going to have to retrain me. We've been on remote and and gone for a while and doing different things. But we are here, and we'll be here next week, and we have a lot to cover. Um, One of the things we're going to talk about later in the show is the river conditions. Uh, The river conditions for you fly fishermen are more like into July than the middle of June, where the runoff is pretty much done. We're seeing some warm water. It's affecting different rivers differently, so we're going to have some people on to talk about that. We're going to talk some hunting. We're going to be talking inter- intermixing more and more hunting as we go because you should be getting ready for hunting season right now. So we're going to have a couple different segments where we start talking about that. Of course, follow us on Facebook. If you did follow us on Facebook, you would know that we put a trivia out there on our Facebook page. And you never know, I might ask a trivia question before the uh, the end of the show, and you might get a chance to win a very nice prize if you know the answer. So you should always follow us on Facebook anyway. It's the centerpiece of this show. It tells you what my... We post when my new column comes out every week in the Denver Post. That puts a link up there. When we add a television show to our YouTube channel, that gets a link up there. If we get out fishing, that's got a link up there. And by the way, I went back uh, a couple days ago and pulled up an article I wrote for the Denver Post a few weeks ago about boating courtesy and etiquette. I was out in the lake this last week, and most people are pretty nice, but I think there's a lot of people new to water sports that really need to understand what the proper protocol and how you interact with each other is. So if you go to my Facebook page, share that article with all your friends that are into water sports. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us, she's been on the show before. She's been a multiple Olympian, I think three times. I may be wrong, but I know I've, she's been there several times. She's an international shooting competitor. Uh, she's a professional three-gun three um, uh, uh, competitor, travels around doing that. She's an instructor. Her and her sister are both instructors. She was just recently in Paris for the World Shotgun Championships, where she finished fourth overall, and the U.S. team finished second. We have Lanny Barnes. Good morning, Lanny. Good morning, Terry. It's great to be back on your show. It's good to have you on, but it takes half the segment to read your resume. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but you, was that right, three-time Olympian? Absolutely, yes. I competed three Olympics in Boston, and uh, I ran a three-gun competitively now, and then just got back from France in the uh, IPSC Shotgun World Championships. You know, we're going to, before we move on to what we really want to talk about, I think a lot of people, when you when we say they were shotgun competitions in Europe, people think about, you know, there's, there's, not, there's not very liberal gun laws in Europe. They're very, very, very strict. But shotguns are one thing that they do use quite a bit, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. In, in Europe, uh, you know, centerfire is not very common. There's a lot of restrictions, but 22 and... Uh, shotgun competitions are a lot more common, and, and uh, you know, where shotguns are used um, pretty predominantly in hunting over there. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we're going to talk about shooting. You've got an event coming up. We're also going to talk about in relation to hunting as we get into this. But the first thing I want to talk to you about, and this was kind of, we kind of covered this last time you were on, but a woman in the shooting sports 
Uh, you know, I mean, there's women out there. We're seeing more of it. My own wife uh, is an uh, avid uh, firearms. She she makes me look bad every time we go to the <laughs> range, which so I've haven't, still haven't forgiven her for that. But did you find it, you know, you grew up in an outdoor family and you shoot and you hunt. I know we, we've talked in the past. It really wasn't that difficult for you to get into it. But do you hear from other women that there are challenges when they want to get into this kind of activity? You know, I think in the past there were a lot of challenges and it wasn't very common for women to get into shooting sports and hunting activities and things like that. But these days there's so many opportunities for women uh, when it comes to uh, firearms training, hunting opportunities, um, even even opportunities where you get together with just women and, and go on hunts or, or uh, take shooting courses and things like that. So I think there's a lot more opportunities now than there were in the past. Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think even Colorado Parks and Wildlife puts classes on just for women and hunting. Uh-huh. And, and then you do a number of classes. We're going to talk about some of those. But when you do interact with women, whether it's doing your classes or just talking to them at events, what are some of the topics they bring up? What do they see? I mean, one of the biggest things in most outdoor activities is the manufacturers have realized that the women and the outdoor activities is an untapped market, and we're seeing more equipment. I know in, in bows and fishing rods and fly rods and waders. Are we seeing that in the shooting sports too? Oh, absolutely. And it's great to see, uh, you know, in the beginning when, when the firearms manufacturers were starting to tap into that, that women's market, uh, you know, the the only thing that they were changing was they'd add a little bit of pink here and there. But I've seen a huge shift in in uh, a lot of the companies actually looking at the physiological structure of a of a woman and seeing how uh, they can design their products to better fit a woman. Well, I think we're seeing that throughout the industry, and I really applaud it because um, let's and, and I'll tell you what, my wife Karen, who produces my radio and produced my television shows, uh, she's my partner and my friend, and we travel mm-hmm. we travel the world virtually doing outdoor activities together. And for her to be able to buy waders that are made for women, for her to be able <laughs> to buy sun resistant clothing that are t- tailored for women, and and to find a handgun that fits her hand that she can shoot well with. Those are, those are been important things to us. And I think we're, see, we're going to see more and more of that as more women become, uh, you know, predominant in the outdoors. When you go to competitions, uh, like a three-gun three competition, do the men and women compete against each other or, or do they compete separately? You know, most competitions, the men and women compete against each other, but there are a lot of competitions out there. And it's it's growing where they have a, a women's only uh, category or class, and so it it encourages women to sign up, um, gives them an opportunity to um, compete against other other women and not just uh, compete against the men as well. So uh, there's there's one in particular that I that I'm thinking about called the Babes with Bullets Three Gun Challenge, and they actually have 150 women and 150 men that that sign up for this competition, and uh, they both have separate prize tables for the match and. And uh, it's, a little, it's very oriented around women, encouraging women and juniors to get out and compete. Well, I'm glad they have um, events where the women don't compete with the men because most of the women end up beating me. I think women are, <laughs> are excellent shooters. I mean, you're a great example of that. I think they come into it without some of the ego that the men have and haven't learned as many bad habits because a lot of times they take it up at a different point in their life. And I think their their mental makeup, and I, I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but men yeah. and women are different physiologically and, uh-huh. and, and are emotionally, and we just are. And I'm, I'm, I applaud that. But I uh-huh. think their mental approach to things a lot of times makes them better shooters, don't you? 
Well, I think, you know, the, the differences that I've seen when working with both men and women, um, I think women are more open to ideas. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, especially women in general, I think tend to have a healthier fear of firearms um, compar- comparatively towards uh, or compared to men. And, and I think that maybe in a way uh, kind of in- encourages an o- a more open mind to uh, what the instructors are saying and, and, you know, being very cautious about safety and, and things like that. No, I think you're absolutely right. Hey, let's move on to a couple of things. One is you've got some classes coming up, and one of them is – I believe a three-gun boot camp, and then the other uh-huh. one is an elevated heart rate, which you could use, which could apply to self-defense or hunting. Let's take uh-huh. the three three-gun boot camp first. Tell us when and where it is, and kind of what people would experience there. Okay, so the three-gun boot camp is uh, July first at Great Guns in Nunn, Colorado, and uh, what we do is we it's it's designed for people getting into the sport of three-gun. Um, and people that have, you know, a little bit of experience with rifle, pistol, and handgun, but maybe haven't combined that yet in in opportunities towards uh, competition. And uh, what we do is is uh, teach everybody the the principles behind three gun, and then also ideas on how to train for three gun as well. Now, in three gun, you shoot a shotgun, you shoot a rifle, and you shoot a a handgun. Is that right? And then they get a total score. Am I right? Uh huh. That's correct. Yeah. Some stages. You combine all three where you're shooting all three guns at once, or not at once, but individually uh, throughout throughout a stage. And then there'll be other stages where it's, you know, an all-pistol stage or all-rifle or all-shotgun. And do people, when they originally start up three-gun, a lot of times they're probably um, proficient with one or two, but maybe not all three. Is that what you see? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of... Uh, I mean, with the USPSA pistol and and things like that, um, there's a lot of people that have been doing pistol competitions for years and are starting to jump into three-gun, saying, you know, hey, I I want a new challenge with learning how to shoot the rifle and the shotgun, or, you know, people coming from, say, PRS world or long-range rifle and saying, hey, I'm going to see what I can do with a pistol. And and uh and a shotgun. And this is really a boot camp. You you don't you're not expecting them to have three gun competitive experience. Tell them again when and where that is. Yeah, so it's at Great Guns in Nunn, Colorado on uh July 1st. All right. Now the other class you're going to be teaching or that you teach is one that really intrigues me. And that's the elevated heart rate heart rate class for two reasons. One is obviously self defense because you're going to get an elevated heart rate uh when you're um when you're under stress, and the other one is in hunting situations where maybe you've exerted yourself and and your your body's kind of your adrenaline's flowing, your body's going, and then you see. And if anybody hunts and doesn't get, tell me they'd never get buck fever. I ask them why do they hunt? Because you're going to get an elevated heart rate when you get ready to take that shot. So tell us about that class. Yeah, so that that class, like you said, is designed around uh, hunting and uh, and you know self defense situations, but also uh, competition as well. You know, anytime you you compete or are in a self defense situation or hunting, you you get that physiological response, which is the fight or flight response. And uh, what we do in that class is we break down the the basic physiological and psychological aspects of shooting and teach you how to be able to handle those and what's going on in your body so that you can learn how to uh, address those when shooting. Now, when is that class and where? So that class is um, June 30th, uh, Great Guns as well, 
in uh, Nunn, Colorado. All right. Now, a couple minutes left. I want to get really quickly through this, but you've been an avid hunter in addition to competitive shooting. Does the elevated heart rate class, has it really made you a better hunter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I was competing in Bothlon, I always said that Bothlon made me a better hunter and hunting made me a better athlete. <laughs> and uh, th- there's such a crossover when, when you're training um, to shoot with an elevated heart rate. Uh, you know, in hunting, we we have one, usually, not all the case, not all the time, but usually one opportunity to take, you know, one good ethical shot. And uh, it always surprises me how many hunters don't take the time to, to train for that one shot. You know, you buy the gear and we, you, you spend a lot of money on tags and things like that. But when it comes down to that, taking that good ethical shot, um, you know, are you physically ready? Are you mentally ready? Um, can you handle that adrenaline when you when you get there in that situation? And, I, uh, that's kind of what our courses are designed around. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that um, two things that, first of all, hunters don't practice with their firearm enough because they take it out before. And if you're not comfortable with your firearm, you're guessing, you're second-guessing your shot, you're not comfortable, that that alone mm-hmm. can make you uh, miss a shot. But I think physical conditioning, we're going to talk about a little bit about this with Nate Zielinski later. He drew a, go, a sheep tag, and he's uh-huh. going to be hunting at some higher elevations. Now, Nate's in pretty good shape. He's an outdoor guy. But he's going into extra conditioning, and I think people overlook that aspect of getting ready for hunting. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the the better physically prepared you are for a hunt, the more successful you are going to be on a hunt. All right. Well, we've got to run, Lanny. We could talk about this forever. <laughs> Tell people again how they would get more information on your classes. So you can you can go to uh, my Facebook page, Lanny Oakley, or the Macarena website. They also have all the links uh, where you can sign up for the um, courses online. And they're going to be at Tell Us the Place again. Great Guns Colorado on uh, June 30th and July 1st. All right. Thank you for joining us, Lanny. As always, a great segment. Uh, great to talk to you. All right. Thanks, Lanny. And, you know, you heard her say her website, Lanny Oakley. She kind of got that nickname. The girl can shoot, let me tell you, and her sister, too. And they're just great people. Everybody I talk to that interacts them really with them really likes them. Terry Works from Outdoors. Uh, is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are going right to the phones. And joining us from Parks and Wildlife, she's an interpreter, and her name is Annie Thran. And Annie, interpreter doesn't mean you're telling us about different languages. It means you're interpreting the outdoors, right? That's right, interpreting the natural world. Yeah, and that sounds like kind of a neat job. I think that's fun. Now, you're going to tell us about an event coming up at Staunton Park. Now, we've had featured Staunton Park quite a bit on the show with the fishing and with the um, the, the chair access. You guys have the handicapped chair, that, that the, the motorized wheelchair, and you've got some a lot of access, things like that. But why don't, for people that haven't listened before, why don't you tell them where the park is located and just give them a general description? All right. The park is really easy to get to. We're 40 minutes from Denver. We're just straight up 285. Take a right at Schaefer's Crossing, so right off 285. And now it had been a day-use park. I know there's plans for some other uh, camping and things. Where are we at with that? Camping um, opens up July 1st, so we have 25 walk-back sites. Um, There'll be parking 
for the campers, and then they'll walk back with their tents to get your camp. Now, it'll still be a day-use park for general uh, people attending, so if you have a camping permit, then you can. there'll be walk-in primitive sites, I believe. Is that right? That's right. The park will close for others at 10 o'clock. Okay, that sounds. That's neat. I mean, it's such a great area. In fact, you have some changes in elevation there. I think you've got qu- quite a few trails, don't you? We have about thirty um, miles of trails. We go. Um, our entrance is about at eighty-seven hundred feet. We go up to about eleven. So. And you've got both. You've got both some easy and some challenging trails, including some rock climbing. It's one of the granite areas of rock climbing in the state that people seem to flock to. You've got great fishing back there. You have a couple pond areas and a small river. I know the fishing is about a mile walk in, or if you go to the river, the ponds further in, about a four mile walk in. But it's a great park. But you have an event coming up. You want to talk to us, and it's the Marmot Fest uh, celebration. Before we even get to the event, are there a lot of marmots in Colorado? There are a lot of marmots in Colorado. It's a very healthy population here. Um, they're here at Staunton, which is kind of rare to have them at our elevations. Um, so the state is actually doing a study on our marmots, so we monitor them. Do they normally go to lower elevations? Usually higher elevations. Oh, higher, okay. Um, the, the, the marmot is actually a groundhog, so all over the United States they are in lower elevation, but the, the marmot that we have is, is a higher elevation animal. Yeah, you know, I didn't even realize they were part of the groundhog family until you and I started talking. And they are, that makes them part of the squirrel family, is that right? They are the largest of the squirrel family. And they are, they're a, a, an animal that, uh, they actually truly hibernate. They don't just rest in the winter, is that right? That's truly. They, they spend about eight months of their life underground in their burrows. Um, they have their little pups in their burrows. The pups are, usually come out around June. That's why we have the Marmot Fest in June. Um, they're true hibernators. Their temperature drops to 37 degrees, almost freezing. Their heart rate drops to about four minutes. So unlike a bear that you could wake up in about 30 seconds, you cannot wake a marmot up. Okay. Now, as far as interaction with people, the marmots, I assume they're vegetarians, but I don't know for sure. They could be omnivorous, but I don't think they're necessarily a danger to people, but you still have to give them space when you interact, right? Certainly. Certainly. We have to respect our wildlife and and stay stay back from them. Marmots are um, herbivores. They only eat plants. Um, Unlike a beaver, they have short little teeth (laughs) and a little tail. A lot of people mistake them for beavers. They are not um, but they live in their burrows. They come out and graze in the meadows. Um, they rest on the rocks to get sun and heat. Um, and they're really cute to look at. During Marmot Fest, we'll have scopes up so that you can watch them from a safe distance. That's awesome. Well, tell us about the Marmot Festival. What all is going on? I'm assuming you're going to have activities for all different ages and things. Yeah, the Marmot Fest is June um, 23rd and 24th. Um, we're going to start with a 9 a.m. hike. Marmots are early risers, so the 9 a.m. hike is the most likely hike where you'll be able to see uh, marmots. We'll also have an 11 a.m. hike. Both hikes are led by biologists, naturalists. Um, the event starts at 10 and will go on until 3. Um, we have free rock climbing, anybody that wants to try that. Um, professional rock climbers will take you up ages 4, all through adults, so all ages. Um, we have an area where we'll have puppet making to make more Muppets. We'll have a burrow that you can crawl through. It's big enough for adults too. It's very dark and very. I, I bet it very wasn't much like a burrow. Yeah, I bet it wasn't dug by a marmot though. <laughs> <laughs> it's homemade. Um, we have arts and crafts. We'll have um, music. Um, we'll have a booth, of course, um, educating folks on marmots and their habitat and how we can respect that habitat and respect wildlife in general and be stewards to our environment. 
So when are the dates again? June 23rd and 24th, and that's, Sunday. And that's at Staunton State Park. And I imagine there's details on both the website and the Facebook page. That's correct. All right. Well, Annie, I, this just sounds like a fun time. And, you know, we love, I love watching the squirrels run through the trees in my backyard. So watching <laughs> the marmots and stuff would be just, I love, I really enjoy wildlife watching. They're I think very it, cool. And they communicate through whistles and chirps. Um, so you, a lot of times you'll hear them before you see them. They're a very cool animal. We're very excited to have the event and have everyone out. All right. Annie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Sounds like a great, great event. People need to get out and take advantage of that. Let's go right back to the phones. And he probably hasn't spent a lot of time watching marmots, but I bet you he's camped in places where he's seen them. And we oh, have Ray several from times, yeah, up in uh, Grand Teton, I saw lots of yellow-bellied marmots. Yeah, well, this is Ray from Adventure Camper, and Ray, yeah, it's, I, you know, it, just seeing different wildlife when you're out camping isn't that. I mean, people need to respect how they watch and make sure they don't cause bad interaction. But I think it's part of the joys of being in the outdoors are seeing the different wildlife and, and enjoying that. It's really it really does add to the trip, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's thrilling, especially if you see some of the larger ones or the big predators or whatever. Yeah, it's thrilling to to be sure. Well it's kinda nice at night then to get into a nice camper too and not be sleeping out in a tent if you did see a mountain lion or a bear. That's <laughs> it. And uh We've got lots of great sales right now on uh, remaining inventory. We've got little 17-foot ultralights all the way up to uh, still some big 24- and 27-foot Sonomas with some great sales specials on them. We are starting to run low on inventory, though, so that's the that's the downside. Uh, uh, you know, if you're out looking for a camper still, it's good to get moving and get one picked up before they're gone. How about rentals? Is there still opportunity there, or yeah. are they filling up? Well, they're filling up, certainly. July usually fills up before June, but we've still got good availability uh, in different spots of June uh, and July, for that matter. Uh, but, yeah, it's if, if you're going camping this summer and you need a rental, it's time to get one reserved. So. Yeah, and so you have both the, the towable, you have all the towables, you sell and rent, and you have all sizes, and really you can set somebody up no matter what size tow vehicle oh, they have, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. The factories uh, anymore have been... Uh, very reactive, positively reactive to uh, the car manufacturers making smaller, more fuel-efficient vehicles. So we literally have something for everybody you can tow with. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, and we talked to Savannah last week, and her and I were talking about the uh – the, the solar panels you can take to keep your battery charged. You can take generators. You supply both, I think. But yeah. you can go out in the wilderness and keep your batteries charged and really not have that motor running anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. You've, you've got full use of it. And, uh, you know, especially with a solar panel, boy, as long as you've got daylight and sunshine, you're going to have a fully charged battery and full function use of the camper. All right. Ray, tell them how they find you. Uh, we are at uh, adventurecamper.com on the web. And physically, if you want to come see us today, we're here from 8 until 4. Uh, we are near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road at 14051 East Davies Avenue in Centennial. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great one, Terry. Thank you. You bet. Terry, uh, Terry you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go right to the phones. Uh, joining us from the Meeker area, he's with Parks and Wildlife. He's an aquatic biologist there. We have Tori Ira. Good morning, Tori. Did I get the last name right? Yeah, he did. Good morning, <laughs> I, Terry. I practiced it a couple times during the commercial. So. <laughs> 
How's the weather up there? We got pretty beautiful weather here, but a little cloud. We have a chance, as always, this time of the year of an afternoon storm. What do you, what's it like up in the Meeker area? Yeah, similar situation up here. It's just, but so it gets far nothing yet. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Of course, we could use some rain all over the state. We don't need the lightning. But you, you want to talk about some fishing up in that area, and particularly, we want to start out. You have an event coming up now. We've covered this event over the last couple of years, and I'll kind of set the stage. Um, Elkhead Reservoir. You really want to manage that as a a largemouth bass lake because it fits into both the regional and national guidelines for managing those waters much better. So to achieve that, you kind of want to mitigate the number of pike and smallmouth bass in there. So you have a tournament every year to make it a fun way for anglers to engage and help with that mitigation. Is that a good synopsis? Yeah, I would say so. And this is the third year of the tournament. And after watching anglers the last two years, I can definitely say they're doing they're doing a good job of it, too. It's nice to have um, so many people helping as opposed to just, um, you know, me and my crew. Well, and it's fun for them, too. Um, first of all, I think we should tell people where Elkhead Reservoir is located. Yeah, it's northeast of Craig. Um, so if you leave Craig heading to Steamboat, um, it'll be, the road will be on your left-hand side up there. It's about 20 minutes outside Craig. Now, when is the tournament and how does it work? June 23rd through July 1st, um, and you can participate as long as you want, whether you want to come for a day or the whole tournament. And um, so we'll have prizes in different categories. So prior to the tournament, I pit tagged um, a passive integrated and honor tag, basically same thing. Are you there? Tori, did we lose you? Can you hear me? No, I can now. Now I can oh, hear you. Okay. Okay. Huh. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened, but um, where did I lose you? We'll just go ahead and start right from the beginning. Okay. Sounds good. Well, the tournament is through um, from June 3rd to July, June 23rd through July 1st, and you can participate as long as you want, whether you want to come for a day, a weekend, or the whole tournament. Um, we have prizes in different categories, so... The grand prize is we put a passive integrated transponder tag in one pike and one smallmouth bass. And if an angler catches either of those fish, they're each worth $1,500 on the spot. And then we also have $750 for the angler who catches the most pike throughout the tournament and the angler who catches the most smallmouth bass through the tournament. And then we have daily prizes. Um, I think a total of $4,500 in daily prizes for largest pike of the day, smallest pike of the day, most pike of the day, and then same for smallmouth, largest, smallest, and most. Now, when you say there's a passive tag, this isn't a tag people are going to see hanging off the fish, is it? It's one you're going to have to detect electronically. Correct. Yep. And it's a similar. Um, it's basically the same tag you get in your dog when you chip them. And um, so anglers need to bring in to our check station we have the the tag reader and so we'll work up the fish and scan them for tags to see if it's the and and it could be any size smallmouth or pike you didn't necessarily go for the biggest one you went for so that they want you want them to bring every pike and smallmouth to the scale correct yep yeah it could be any size smallmouth and any size pike and we definitely put an emphasis on making it catchable fish fish that are likely to be caught 
All right. Now let's. Well, I've got you on. We'll we'll give them uh, the dates and the information on the tournament one time, one more time before we go. But since I have the aquatic biologist from that area on, I I want to pick your brain about maybe some other fisheries. One you told me that people that it's probably different this year than the past, but it's a great fishery, and that's the White River. What's going on there? Yeah. Well, I think like everywhere else in the state, um, the the flow in the White River is dropping a little quicker than it normally does, and it's becoming clear, and um, fishing is great right now, which, as you said, isn't isn't real typical this time of year, but um, I think it's a good time to come out and fish on the White River. Now, what can I expect to catch in the White River? Uh, what species, and uh, is there some typical size? or? Right, yeah. Um, so... Primarily, you'll catch mountain whitefish, rainbow trout, and brown trout. There also is cutbows and um, cutthroat trout in the White River. And then if you go up into the North Fork and the South Fork, you'll start seeing brook trout as well. Now, it, and do you get some pretty good size, a good develop, a good uh, mix of your classes and size? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it changes slightly as you go upriver or downriver, but... Um, definitely multiple year classes up into that 20 inch plus range fish as well. Now, is there quite a bit of public access? Is it a river that I know a lot of people will float the White River in that? I don't know how that's going to work with the flows this year, but is there a lot of walkway to access for people? There is a decent amount. Um, so if you go into the North Fork and the South Fork of the White River, there's a lot of those stretches that are in um, both wilderness and um, national forest land. And then as you come down into the main stem White River, it's primarily private, but with, um, I think we have six public access points from just downstream of Meeker up to the forest. And each of those have varying lengths of stream that are that are accessible, but upwards of, you know, over a mile of fishable stream. Okay. Now, if you said it's a lot different this year, normally up in that time of the year, uh, this time of the year, you'd probably be seeing heavy flows. It'd be difficult to fish. It's fishing really well right now. And that you're right. That's true throughout the state. We're going to talk more about that next hour, too. The fact that we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of you know really great f- fly fishing right now. How do you think this is going to play out into the warmer months? With are the flows going to be a healthy enough to maintain good temperatures in the stream, or are we concerned? You know, I think it's a little early to to make that call, but I, I definitely am a little concerned. Um, as the temperature rises and and pools get smaller, fish get heated and stressed. So. Um, yeah, like I said, I think everything's just a little early this year, and I would, uh, if I was planning a trip to the White River, I would, I would do it sooner rather than later. And do you, do you tend sometimes to get a little algae later too? Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, since about 2014, we have been uh, researching and kind of battling this algae bloom that we're seeing in the White River, mainly the main stem White River, um, and so that's another factor to to think about when you're planning your trip. And um, if you're coming later in the year, maybe you want to go up onto the forest or up the south fork. 
Well, and you're and uh, right now, I'm hearing this from everybody. The fly fishing around the state is phenomenal right now. Anybody who's used to waiting till the end of June into July for the flows to subside really needs to be out. And it sounds like you've got just tremendous fishing on the white right now. It's also we got to take a minute or two. There's a there's a small lake up in your area that you said is a great place for family fishing. I believe it's Avery Lake. Yes, that's correct. So. Um... Yeah, Lake Avery is located fairly close to the White River, about 20 miles east of Meeker. Um, it's a wakeless lake, but it has a well-developed boat ramp and um, plenty of camping around it. And they're just first-come, first-serve camp spots, but a great place to take a family and catch some trout. Um, or black crappie, if you like to fish for black crappie. Uh, and I think everybody in the state, when I start talking about panfish, Every, the, the things just light up. We hear about it on Facebook. Where did he say those crappies were? And that uh, people love that. And it's well stocked with trout. So it'd be a great lake. I'm 12 years old when I'm out fishing, but a great place to take kids, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. And the black crappies seem to, you know, they stick to that riprap on the south end of the reservoir by the dam. So easily accessible from someone who doesn't have a boat and is just fishing offshore. So crappie, and it's pretty well stocked. Has it been? They keep it pretty stocked regularly through the year, so you can pretty much count on getting some rainbows. Yeah, definitely. And we just recently had another plan of rainbow trout, um, and every year we stock with multiple age classes of fish, anywhere from fingerlings up to uh, this year we stocked some broodfish, so fifteen to seventeen inch rainbows as well. Well, people will be headed up when they hear 17 inches. So so we got Lake Avery, we got the White River, and, of course, tell them one more time the dates and how they find information on the tournament. Yeah, so for the Elkhead Fishing Classic, dates are June 23rd through July 1st, and we have a, a page on our website. You can access it there. And, uh, um, like I said, you can fish for one day or the whole tournament. And hopefully win some prizes. Right. You'll have daily prizes, and then there's a 750 pri- uh, prize for the tournament for each class of smallmouth and pike, and then the chance to win 1500 if you get that tagged fish. Sounds like a good time, fun way to mitigate some of the numbers in the lake and everybody to really enjoy it. Tori, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Terry. All right. That's uh, Tori Iyer from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And that Elkhead tournament, you know, there's there they have to be careful about the numbers of smallmouth and pike on those western lakes because of other uh, management concerns. So they used to just try to electrofish them out and things, but having the public come and fish for them and just have a good time doing it and compete, a little friendly competition, but maybe win a really nice prize. Sounds like a really good thing. Just Google it and it'll come out, the Elkhead uh, Classic Fishing Tournament. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And we were going to be joined by Mark Kite here and talk about some Father's Day gifts. But uh, instead, in just a minute, Nate Zielinski is going to join us early. And we're going to talk to him about some of the things going on, especially an ice fishing tournament we have by Sun. But I want to remind, uh, Mark really wanted me to remind people about the Harley clothing. They have a Harley clothing deal going on for Father's Day. They said it's always huge, the sales of the clothing from Har- on Harleys at um at Sun, he wanted to make sure the people are aware of that, and they've got great deals. And of course, Sun is located at eighty-fourth um, in Washington, or eighty, uh, rather at eighty-eighth in Washington. Best way to get there is you take eighty-fourth Avenue, you go 
east until you get to Pearl. Don't go all the way to Washington. Go north on Pearl. You'll see a huge five-acre campus. And if you're looking for uh, Father's Day gifts for... um, whether it's a Harley clothing or ATV or motorcycle accessories, you know, they carry just multiple brands of both imports and the Harley Davidson. They have Honda, Kawasaki, they have the Can-Ams. They're just, they're the place to go right now. And you can get that, maybe get that last minute gift for dad without having to uh, to put up with the crowds at the malls. Let's go to the the phones right though now. And I want to talk to Nate Zielinski real quick. Uh, Mr. Zielinski, how are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Another thing that uh, Mark wanted to talk about was the ice fishing contest we're doing for Sun. And I heard that there's one good ice fisherman and one other guy tagging along are going to take people on a trip. <laughs> yeah, Jay, I'm excited about it. that. Early ice is uh, is always a great time. Anytime you and I get together on the ice, obviously a lot of fun happens. And uh, no, this uh, this lucky winner is going to have a great time fishing with us. Early ice, that's for sure. Right, and I think they they can. What what the trip with the contest is, folks. So we're going to have you can register between now and Oct- I think October first or the end of September. Might be the end of October, but it's in. It'll tell you on the on the on the uh, Facebook page. Go to Sun's Facebook page. They have a post, and you and I are going to be doing some more posting about it that people can look for. It. They should follow our Facebook pages. They'll, they'll hear more about it. But we're going to try to pull the trip off in December. Of course, it'll depend on weather and schedule and things, but we'll get it in. And uh, I know we don't know exactly, Nate, what kind of a trip we're going to schedule for these people because the weather and conditions will dictate. But do you have some ideas? You know, I mean, one of my favorite December fisheries is uh, we have the exclusive permit to guide on Jefferson Lake in the winter. Um, and, you know, fishing for 20, 30-pound lake shots in December is phenomenal. Uh, then you kind of turn around to rainbows and that early ice at Antero Reservoir is phenomenal. Um, we get some big pike at Terry all in December. So, really, the sky's the, the limit. We have a lot of opportunities for that early ice that produce some amazing fish. And we definitely want this winter to have a trip of a lifetime. So, we're going to go all out and make sure that we, uh, we provide some amazing fishing. But again, it's all about you. I think we can uh, we can decide that or we can talk to our winners and see what they're looking for. So, right. we, uh, we have a lot of options there. You're absolutely right. And the, the winner will get a trip for two people. And it'll be drawn at random. There'll be a trip for two people that will um, get to go ice fishing with Nate and I. And then the guys from Sun uh, Power Sports will go with us, and they'll have some of the newer ATVs and stuff to show them while we're there too, right? Absolutely. You know, and that's it. And, you know, I tell you, I just left Sun uh, not too long ago. I'm getting ready for, obviously, all these fall hunts. People are going to follow me. You know, i got a sheep tag. My wife's got a loose tag. And we definitely use a lot of the uh, the power equipment from Sun. So, you know, side-by-side, ATVs. So I said all the oils changed. The tires actually uh, going to be on a lot of rock. I foamed all the tires instead of having air. So that way uh, I have foam walkers on everything. So I'm not doing flat tires. And uh, I just left a good trip at Sun. Those are great guys there. And definitely, you know, right now, talking about as we're starting to get into hunting season, same thing as long as with all of our equipment, which we're going to talk about next. But, you know, making sure that all your ATVs and all that kind of stuff are, you know, oil change, good brakes, you know, tires, all that kind of stuff. Now is the time to do that kind of thing while, uh, while you have time to do so. That's or, for sure. or get that a new ATV for Father's Day. Go down there and get it now. Give them a chance to get used to riding it before hunting. 
Absolutely, Terry. You know, I'm thinking of that, too. I wanted to kind of throw this out there, talk about Father's Day gifts. Um, we get bombarded with a lot of stuff. We have a lot of people that call us, um, you know, to book guide trips for Father's Day. We also get a lot of, of, you know, kids as well as, you know, spouses. They're like, hey, you know, we know you're a big fisherman. My, my husband or dad's a big fisherman. What can we get him? We get that a lot. And, you know, I think everybody thinks about the big picture and the big, uh, big prize. But right now, everything's been abused at this point in the year. We're halfway through the season, and a lot of stuff just beat up. Again, talking ATV tires, talking, you know, terminal fishing tackling, lures. You know, I think everybody wants that big picture, but in reality, if you're a hardcore outdoorsman, halfway through the season, a lot of stuff just needs to be replenished, needs to be fixed up, um, and that makes a great Father's Day gift as well. So kind of keep that in mind if, uh, if you need that last-minute idea for sure. All right, Nate, I'm going to put you on hold for about three, four minutes, and we're going to come back and talk some hunting and fishing with you. Perfect. I'll be here. All right. Nate Zielinski joining us there and talking about Sun, you know. And if you want to know more about the ice fishing contest from Sun, we've posted it on our Facebook page. It's posted on Sun's Facebook page. You can also go to um, my page on the fan, 1043thefan.com, and go to the menu, go to Terry Wickstrom, and you'll see a big uh, uh, sign-up. You click on that, takes your information, and you get entered, and we're going to do a random drawing. It's going to be a great trip. You know, one of the things, Nate and I, you know, all kidding aside, Nate and I have spent a lot of time on the ice. I was one of the founding members of the ice team back in Minnesota and used to host the Minnesota Masters of Ice Fishing. And Nate is uh, an avid ice fisherman and guide and part of the ice team now. And so just talking with us while we're out there, we're going to give you so many great tips and so much great information that you're going to be able to pick up. And that's one of the reasons you should follow us on Facebook all the time. You should follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. In fact, we've been posting to kind of get you into looking and checking on on following us on Facebook. Karen's been posting these um, 20 years of trivia of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And those, uh, we've been on the air for 20 years. This is our 20, over 20 years now. And uh, she's posting little bits of trivia up there. And we've been giving out some prizes. So if you'd have been following us on Facebook, you'd know the answer to the question I'm going to give out right now. And if you got it right by texting the right answer, you would win a, a gift card from Honey Smoked Salmon worth almost $100, 90-some dollars. And that's because they ship it right to your door. You go online, you order some packs of honey smoke that shows up at your doorstep in a chilled ice pack. I mean, it's just fantastic. And this honey smoked fish stuff is just fantastic. But if you know the answer to this trivia, you might get one. The trivia question is, Parks and Wildlife have been a partner of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors for a long time. When did Parks and Wildlife, what year did Parks and Wildlife join the radio show. The first one to text that in gets a $100 gift card or $95 gift card from Honey Smoked Salmon. So when did Parks and Wildlife join Terry Wickstrom Outdoors? Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.